0: Welcome back everybody. Very excited to be here today. I think this is the 12th episode of my podcast and I'm really excited to be talking to Danny Matthews today. Um, But before we start chatting I just have a tiny little favour that if you enjoy this um, episode if you could please hit like, comment, share it with somebody that you think would enjoy it. That would be absolutely amazing. Let's spread some awesome, interesting, inspiring stories about career change. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks so much, Danny, for being here today. It's brilliant to see you. Thank you. you. Um, I and I was just saying to Danny that I just had this flashback of, well, we've known each other for probably, I wanna say five or six years, perhaps. Mm,
1: yeah.
0: And I, have this, I had this flashback of, um, it was a beautiful spring or summer day and we were sitting on a picnic bench outside the Growth Hub, which is a co working space in Sirencester. And uh, it was probably the first time we had a proper chat. And uh, I was really fascinated to hear your story then. And little did we know that a few years later, I'd be interviewing you for this podcast. But I do remember very vividly you telling me your extraordinary story of going from mortgage advisor. To what you're doing now, so I won't spill the beans on that just yet. But um, if you wouldn't mind, it would be awesome if we could start with what you were doing, how you got into it, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks first of all for having me. Um, It's a story that um, uh, I don't share often, but when I do, hopefully it um, gives the right message to the right person at the right time, and and it helps them. So um, yeah, real honor to be asked to come on. Um, I wanted to do something creative as a kid and um I went to an all-boys school in Coventry all-boys public school and they were trying to become a sports college at the time so there was no real kind of support or encouragement to to be a creative person um, or draw for a living which is what I wanted to do and um so I, I went and got a job like most people and job after job I ended up in um private medical insurance actually is where it all started and I worked for a guy who uh, was what they call an appointed representative so he was running his own business but under the banner of someone else and uh and it was great I spent a few years there and, and really got to know the business inside and out I was dealing with companies at the time so it was b2b private medical insurance and eventually I, I kind of uh, we had a meeting and I said I, I, w- I would love to do what you do you know I, I've really got to know the business and really got passionate about it um and he, he said, you've basically just told me that you want my job and that's not gonna happen. And so, so I didn't really know like how it worked at the time. I just knew that I wanted to do what he did. Um, and because of that, I, I started looking for an opportunity elsewhere. So eventually moved from Birmingham to um, where I'm now in Sirencester uh, to set up a group private medical insurance department within another broker. And eventually left and set up on my own with um, with an old colleague uh, who was my business partner. And we did private medical insurance and we slowly uh, went into protection. So life insurance and income protection. And uh, and eventually realized that everyone was covering their mortgage. And we said, well, where, sh- where should we go next? Uh, and decided to expand into mortgages. So for almost a decade, I was in financial services. Uh, mortgages and insurance was my thing although mortgages was very different from insurance and I got really frustrated at the old paper-based lengthy process and I think I was spending 10 to 15 hours per client before I knew if I was getting paid or not and it just seemed ludicrous how people were doing this Uh, Mm -hmm. and took it on my own back to go and create a proof of concept that um that I later built for a company in London, which is where the transition starts, I guess you could say.
0: But before we get to the transition, I'm really curious to, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how that happens, you know, because I do hear this quite a lot, that when we're younger, we have these aspirations or these dreams or these these things that we're really good at or we really enjoy, and then somewhere along the line, that gets knocked out of us, and we end up pursuing a career that perhaps isn't aligned with what we'd like to be doing so where, mm. where did that happen for you what what was the disconnect there uh,
1: I have a I have a belief now and I didn't know it at the time but I have a belief now that a lot of what the education system uh, how the education system is created is um suppresses creativity uh, and there's a, an amazing guy called Ken Robinson who yes. uh, passed away a few years My ago hero. Yeah, and it's, the the story he tells of the little girl in the classroom is just so typical. And it, it's funny, when you watch his talk, which was a TED Talk, um, about creativity, it, it feels like a siloed story, but it's not, and it happens every day. And, and for those who aren't um, familiar, go and watch it, but... Um, the part of the story that the link
0: in the show notes yeah please do one of my favorite talks of all time yeah it's and the the
1: story that he refers to is a a girl's in the classroom drawing on a piece of paper uh, seemingly distracted and the teacher says what are you doing and she says I'm drawing I'm drawing God and uh the teacher says but you don't know what God looks like and and she replies they do now (laughs) or they will now and I thought (laughs) that is just genius (laughs) <laughs> and I, and I think that is representative of of what my childhood was like you know there was a I was in a school that was all boys so it was um you know masculine overload and um I had an amazing art teacher called Mrs Shepherd uh the softest loveliest woman that just wanted to do her art and teach art uh which is beautiful and um Yes, yeah, so there, there was a lot of you know being in a boys' school, then trying to become a sports college. So all the focus and all the funding was on doing that, um, you know. And I wanted to be creative and do something um, creative for a living. So there was no real, there, there was no go and do this. Why don't you try this? Let's take you out and do extra curricular stuff around that. There, there was none of that. So I just took that as a nod to say, this isn't a career choice for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or backed up by, you know, computer says no systems that, you know, you put your subjects into and it gives you a list of jobs you could do that were, you know, project management or engineering or whatever. Uh, and it just didn't connect with me. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that was the early signs and I didn't realize it till later, but um, through that process, I think of education and then in the, in the workplace, uh, yeah, that the whole idea of me doing anything Creative was suppressed and thought to be a very low value job or industry. So people didn't really focus on it.
0: So how did that, I mean, perhaps you don't remember cause it's a little while ago now, but when you were doing a job that really wasn't using your skills, your creative skills. And um, can you remember how that felt or not really?
1: So I, uh, I enjoyed like private medical insurance. That was funny because I actually enjoyed it, it was, it was a good job. Um, uh, I would say that I was happy, but what I've come to understand about happiness is that it's it's a state, which means it doesn't last forever. You, you go in and out of it. And uh, what I re- recognize now is that I, I was happy in the job, like I enjoyed the job, but it, that doesn't mean it was fulfilling. That doesn't mean that I felt I was getting something from it or growing because of it or learning anything um particularly new uh, you know once you once you know the ins and outs of underwriting an insurance policy your uh, your life's over no, I'm just, <laughs> no <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah it's just kind of there, there's no there was no fulfillment but there was happiness and there was me feeling like you know i enjoyed the tasks at hand if you like you know i, I enjoyed the personal interaction and uh, learning about people's health stories and family health stories and things like that was really good one of my clients was a princess of Jordan, which was quite interesting. When she, oh, when cool. she came to the UK, she needed uh, medical insurance in case anything happened here, and um, among you know, a handful of other amazing people. So uh, yeah, learning about people and stories was was the good part of it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but like any job, they have good and bad bits, and uh, yeah, you just hope that they equal out <laughs> that way.
0: So then you started to do. Sorry, you started to tell us how the transition happened. Do you want to talk mm. us through
1: that? Yeah. So, um, there, so mortgages. For context, for those who don't know, I was a mortgage broker essentially, and when you're a mortgage broker, uh, the Financial Conduct Authority or the the regulator for the industry. Um, Says that you have to do certain things and produce certain documents and go, go about a process in a particular way. So I was driving backwards and forwards from clients' houses most of the time, spending hours doing research and looking at different lenders, all the things you should do really. Um, but it was taking so long. And then I would recommend a product to a to a client, and then they would put they would put in an application and we would submit an application. If the application failed for whatever reason, you had to start all over again. It wasn't just like, oh, we'll tweak stuff. You had to start again because it had to, whatever you recommended had to meet requirements at the time. And if, Mm -hmm. you know, it was two months between their, you know, the start and the application failing, because their circumstances might have changed, they have to go back to the beginning, you know, see if the details have changed and then try and do it again. So I was doing 10 to 15 hours of work before I even knew if I was going to get paid. Not if I knew when I was going to get paid, if I, that was until I knew if I was going to get paid. Yeah. So it was just crazy. And, and um, I've always been quite interested in technology. And um at the time um, there was, you know, iPhones were a big thing and uh, iPads were just becoming to be a big thing. And, and technology was amazing. I, I was already aware of, Online signature software and things like that because of being in insurance because they use some of that. So I was thinking, why why is mortgages so different from insurance? And it's partly to do with regulation, but also you know legacy bank systems and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I figured out that I needed four systems that that are publicly available. Anyone can go to them, pay a subscription fee and use them. And one of those was uh, uh, a software called Zapier, which allows you to connect different software and automate certain tasks. So I had Zapier form-filling software like Google Forms, for example, Typeform I was using um, because it was a nice user experience. Um, A signature software like HelloSign or DocuSign. Um, And then another one which allowed, uh, which took that information, put it into a document, Uh, that was that basically could be sent and signed Um, and essentially spent a few months figuring out what the decision tree would be for a a lender or for a mortgage broker and you could probably cover three walls with it it was huge Um, but I realized that I had created a proof of concept essentially for a digital online mortgage broker application and um, I branded it and promoted it as if it was a company, a startup. Uh, I called it Morgie Digital Mortgages and um, started getting some really good uh, attention and traction. And people wanted to speak to me just to see how I did it. And then um, a couple of people asked if they could invest in it. And I kind of said, I don't think you can invest in it. It's just a thing I boshed together with (laughs) a few bits of software. but a mortgage broker in London um, said, "Well, is there a chance you could build it again, like properly, with software developers and things like that?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." Now, I'd never managed a team, I'd never built software, I'd, I'd never done anything like this. It was a, it was an idea I had that I tried to do myself. That someone was interested in making it, so I, so they gave me a, an offer, and I said yes. And I spent 15 months building this platform, basically. Um, which was great but uh has it had its downsides
0: and so then what happened what was the the big leap then that took you into back into uh, following your I guess your passion for for yeah so
1: so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to a, a, a place um So this contract was for 15 months to build the software. And uh, I remember getting up every day, 4, 5 a.m., getting home sometimes 10 10 p.m., midnight, uh, six days a week. It was relentless. There was three and a half billion quid on the line, basically. The the company I was building it for were bidding for a government contract and it was worth three and a half billion quid over five years. Uh, It it was massive. Not insignificant, a lot of pressure. Uh, there was also some personal stuff happening at the same time. My father-in-law got diagnosed with a really um, serious stage cancer. Uh, he's still with us thankfully, uh, miraculously actually. Um, and then also miraculously, uh, we had our first child which um, we thought would never happen. Um, so we, we had a few failed attempts at IVF and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, so all of this was going on at the same time. I woke up one morning and like every day I opened my bag, I threw a few things in with through so like I don't know, a sandwich, a couple of snacks, a can of ginger beer usually, uh, straight in the bag, in the car. I was in Birmingham at this point, not Sar so I went to the coach station. Coach was easier from Birmingham, parked, ran to the coach, got on the coach, off the coach, on the tube to where the client's office was, and I got there and got off the tube. And I like I stretched. And I put my arms down my back and I went, why is my shirt wet? And then I realized in a split second, the can of ginger beer had burst in my bag over the laptop that I was using with the work on. Now it was backed up by cloud, but I didn't I didn't care about that in the moment. <laughs> my brain just went into survival mode. Um, and I didn't know what to do. And uh, I picked up the phone, called my wife, no idea what I was gonna tell her. And the second she picked up the phone and went, hi, are you okay, babe? My, literally, I lost all feeling from the waist down in my legs, uh, completely paralyzed from the waist down. Um, There was three or four, I always pictured London as this like soulless, heartless place, but four people dragged me off the floor, um, uh, trying to check if I was okay. I couldn't even speak, like speech had gone. Um, I realized later that that was a quite a serious episode of burnout Mm. Um, and through speaking to people that specialize in this area they were saying you know this is this is your body saying stop Mm. do not go any further Um, and some people say did you spot any signs and that kind of thing yeah of course I did but nothing mattered because there was three and a half billion quid on the line and we were trying to have a child and there was you know <laughs> there was all this so we, yeah of course i was getting hives and like all over my body it was horrible uh, and i just didn't know i didn't really pay attention it was the job needed doing and the task at hand needed completing and that was the focus and completely missed any signs um but that meant that uh, i had to make a decision so despite the fact that it was a lovely um package being offered you know i was being given a nice big six-figure salary and bonuses and a nice million pound house in london and all kinds of stuff i was going for lunch four times a week at the langham and mayfair and places like that all expenses paid and living the, living the life as you as you would imagine but at, at a massive cost eventually um and that so answer your question in a long-winded way, that was the catalyst for me saying i'm done i'm I'm not doing this anymore and uh, and I didn't realize I wanted to do design or or anything in th- at that point. It took me probably two months mm. just to recover and just to figure it out and you know, I think we've all been at a stage in our life where we're in a little bit of limbo mm-hmm. um and it felt a bit like that. Uh, I didn't yeah. really know what to do um, yeah, and that's uh but that's where it took it's- me
0: you sort of lose part of your identity when something like that Mm. happens as well doesn't it that's so extreme it takes you away from something that you're so focused on Mm. it's um, it can be can be quite difficult I think And,
1: and there's an added pressure when you've when you've positioned yourself as like a tech startup or like something that's quite fancy or public and people want to know more and you know you promote yourself on social media the pressure's just enhanced because now you've got peer pressure and public pressure of people um wondering what's going on and wanting to know what's happening and all that stuff so it can be really difficult when you're in the middle of an identity crisis essentially trying to figure your life out and everyone just wants to know what you're up to and wants to have chats and it's um yeah. the 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 way up between like do i put on a brave face or do i just say look this is this is what's happening it's uh, it's quite tough in the moment
0: yeah of course it is yeah because mm. it's very hard to see the wood for the trees <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's why i'm on this mission to work with people before they get to that point where actually their body just gives up and yeah. it gives them the ultimatum either you mm. stop or this is it yeah so, uh, you know, in in a lot of cases, it's not that extreme. I think your your example is the complete extreme, mm. and uh, we want to stop people from ever getting anywhere near that. So, thank you so much for for sharing this because uh, I can't imagine it's easy to actually recall that instance and and how you felt. And I mean, it it sounds like it took you to a place that wasn't brilliant. So let's move away from that because. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm really grateful that you've shared it. Um, and now it'd be great to hear where, where that actually led you. And well, I, and I like this because I know it's led you somewhere, somewhere really cool. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, um, when, when people say there's light at the end of the tunnel or, or, you know, it's hard work, but it's worth it. It's, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's really true. Um, I, uh, to take it right back to my childhood Uh, I I was sitting in my friend's living room you know in this two month limbo uh thinking about what the hell I do with my life and what what are maybe the things that I'm interested in and you know even in that moment you're like I don't know if I I don't know what I'm interested in and that sounds like a bizarre thing because we do things every day that we enjoy or we don't enjoy and and we can identify it but we cannot see it in the moment and it was funny um I always felt like I never really had the support or encouragement to do something creative for a living. And the one, the only person that I got that from was from my, from my wife. Uh, So we, so I was sitting at um, our friend's dining table and I was literally just scribbling on a pad, you know, like you do when you're on the phone doing like cubes and squares kind of like that. And my wife walked past them and it, in a roundabout way said, do you, I remember you telling me you wanted to do something at, at school like graphic design or something like that. Why don't you go and do that? And I don't know what happened in that moment, but literally something in my brain clicked. And I, and I immediately, I, I, had no, I had no other response apart from, okay, like it was, it was almost like I was waiting for the direction. Like it mm-hmm. it and do you know what? I have a little bit of a theory that what she said could have been anything. It could have been woodwork, engineering, and I probably would have gone, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I was just looking That's for something. Whatever. You know? <laughs> I'm just I think I'm I'm just lucky that someone else was able to identify what that thing was. Because a lot mm-hmm. of people say, you know, if you're looking for meaning or purpose or something that, that you could make a business out of or a job out of or whatever it might be. A career out of look at things you're interested in as a child because it's likely that they're still there. So you know, people go into Lego and stuff. You know, uh, you know, in, in at forty, you know, yeah. so it's great. So yeah, that that was me, and um, I didn't know what to do. Uh, but the first thing I did, you know, God bless Google, was go to go to a search engine and say, how how do I be a, become a designer? because uh, I had no idea and it's bizarre to me now because I've seen the process but how to become a designer well surely you just design stuff and show people <laughs> you know it's simple but um so hard in the moment so um I came across a site called uh the uh 30 logos um, which is a 30 day logo challenge, which is, you know, if you want to practice, you sign up and every day by email, they'll send you a fake brief and you design a logo. And I did that um, for 30 days and I recorded my screen and I posted them on social media. Uh, and I think by the fourth day, people were like, this is amazing. Like, I can literally, because they were, like speeded up videos of me designing the logo i used to set a timer for an hour basically and record my screen um and people were like i can literally see you think this is fascinating uh and i think by by
0: hand or was this on on a screen
1: on a screen on a computer yeah
0: okay
1: so i would um i would get the email and i would just go straight to the program uh -hmm. the illustrator or whatever and i'd just start designing stuff and you could you can see the mistakes and the things that I don't use, and all that. So it was, I imagine it was quite interesting. Um, and I think by day eight, I had a couple of clients, like people who wanted oh stuff and that I was charging money for, and it was it felt amazing. and uh, and through that process of having, I realized that's it, that's it now. this is this is me. And uh, you know whether it's a good thing or not, I attached my identity to this job or this role or this thing um and it, it did come with a lot of challenges from a mindset perspective um just trying to work through things but uh proactively trying the to solve them
0: block for you? can you remember
1: uh yeah the bit i guess the biggest block or the biggest realization was that i um i had no qualifications in design i had no experience working for a design company and um I had no university degree, no college thing. Uh, I just had to learn by practicing. Um, so my my biggest problem, actually, it was a couple. But my biggest problem was probably, apart from apart from the the lifestyle gap I was trying to fill from the older career, um, the biggest problem was I needed to find a way to make design valuable mm-hmm. because it was. Uh, as soon as I entered this world of graphic design or logo design, I realized that it was full of people basically telling you that it's not it's not worthy of a good salary or, you know, it's a low value job or you can't make an, like good money from it. or um, And that was really hard until I realized that all of them came from education suppressed. Mm-hmm. And I came from running a business for a decade. And I knew how to communicate with people and I knew how to market things and sell things and do advertisements and social media and stand up on stage and go to an exhibit. I knew all those. I just had to try and find a crossover between how do I solve problems like the old business with a different solution, which became which actually is was the catalyst to me being obsessed with branding and neuroscience and the science of shapes and symbols and color and all those things that now go into what is an amazing brand or identity.
0: I mean, it's fascinating hearing you say that because I, this is a challenge that I find a lot of people have is that they, they are really, really good at something, but actually they're struggling to um, and it is a mindset I think they're struggling to work out a way that they can monetize that, or they're actually they're not even working it out. They've dismissed the idea before they've even given it a good go. Mm. so well, I can't possibly make money from that because that's just something that I love doing. And I'm like, but if you can make money from what you love doing, isn't that the best thing in the world and And I think that you're... Living proof that it is possible, um, and you're by no means the only one, you're unique, Danny. By no, you know, <laughs> I'm not taking away from you, um, but it is possible, and that's why I love you know sharing stories like yours. So, do you want to talk yeah. us through a little bit what you're doing? Because I know that. It hasn't been a very straight line of, okay, I'm just going to do this for the next 30 years now because I've discovered this, you know, I'm <laughs> really good at this. Um, I, I know because I've experienced it over the last few years that, that, you know, it's been very fluid. We were using the word fluid earlier. It has been, you know, and you've morphed from one thing to another and mm. expanded in some areas more than others. So do you want to talk us through where you are now on this wonderful journey?
1: Yeah, sure. So, the, um, uh, I've I've always been open to trying things and just throw myself into things and I think one of the common uh, things that make up my values is just um, a bit of bravery and and a focus on progress and and learning is is really important. So just like the big pro- project I took on, yeah, um, the 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 reason I did that was I've always had a mindset of kind of the answer is yes. What's the question and and just just trying it because uh, I never saw I've I've never seen such a bad outcome like something that's so bad apart from burnout but um, I've never seen it in the moment so um, so I've always just just give it a go so I've done a lot in my short time uh, in the in the design field I've tried being a freelancer I've tried running an agency. I've tried employing people i've been i've been me but i've always been uh, but i've also been 14 people um and then back down to me and trying to figure out where what the business looks like in order to help me achieve something greater has always been the focus what what the whole process of burnout and discovering kind of rediscovering a childhood passion and making that my career um what that did do for me was give me a, uh, and I'm going to use this language, it's a bit extreme, but I'm going to use this language because I think it's relevant, an immense sense of purpose. And what I mean by that is I could not sleep because I, I needed to try and find a reason why I was doing something, because I didn't want to fall into the trap of what I did before, which is like, yeah, I enjoy it. So I'll just crack on and see what happens. Uh, there had to be a purpose behind everything I was doing. So I started to be really picky about clients and I started to be really picky about the things I did and what I didn't do. And um, even to the point now where I hardly do social media and that may sound weird, yes, because you see me everywhere on there, but I hardly do it because I don't, I'm not a fan of creating stuff but I'm happy to document whatever's happening on a day-to-day basis. And that's how I find it easy just to to create that. Um, But um, this this sense of purpose came from me not wanting to go through that whole rigmarole again of like 10 years in an industry, no impact, just money coming in and me chasing cash all the time. Um, And from that, I started to develop a real sense of what I need. Uh, what I need to do and what I want to do and what what, what the world needs from me. Um, So I was a freelancer uh, agency and then I started to feel quite restricted by the agency model because I had ideas to launch products of my own that I think could change certain industries or areas or whatever. And uh, but, you know, I felt like that would that would seem weird as an agency because people would question what I was doing and things like that. So I always saw the company evolving into something different. Um, I saw it evolving into something like a uh, accelerator program, what I now call a venture builder. Um, And eventually I had the opportunity to join the world's largest pre-seed accelerator um, in Silicon Valley called Founder Institute. And I now run the UK's version of Thunder Institute, essentially, uh, as well as my company, Short Story Ventures, which is a, essentially a branding first uh, mm-hmm. venture builder. Um, mm-hmm. And we just focus on using creativity, capital and, and connections and community to build meaningful ventures, which really is just a person or an organization that wants to solve a bigger problem. So um, I often refer back to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. It's a really good benchmark of like, where can we have impact? Um, mm-hmm. And I have an audacious, ridiculous goal of of hopefully impacting every area of that, uh, of those goals. So every client that I talk to, every client that I take on, uh, I'm constantly trying to help them understand how they can solve a bigger problem like it's not just you and you're not just solving a problem for clients but actually someone else benefits down the down the line down the supply chain um and just trying to create more impact and um, that way um so yeah that, that's me it. now
0: <laughs> i love that it's so inspiring and i think you know we whether you're a solopreneur or you work in a company or whatever your situation is, I think if you have that bigger why and you have that fire in your belly and you have a very clear vision of what you actually want to achieve, it's so much easier, isn't it? When you're having a bad day, which invariably we all do to pick yourself up and go, actually, I have got the energy to carry on because this is what I'm aiming for. Mm. And And it gives you that, um, it's the whole thing of jumping out of bed in the morning isn't it yeah it is yeah one step closer to to what's going to be really meaningful to you
1: yeah you know the the most cliche thing anyone has ever said about work or career or business is um about you know if it if it's uh if you love it it doesn't feel like work you know it's probably the biggest cliche thing ever um but they're cliches because they're true. <laughs> I
0: was just going to say, clichés are clichés
1: for <laughs> cliches are cliches. <reasons>. Cliches are true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and I really feel that now. And um, without getting too fluffy and emotional, like it's it's a real, deep, emotional thing. Waking up mm-hmm. and being happy—it's uh, it's a real thing. Uh, there's, it's not a, um, it's not like a fluffy thing that you tell people. Like when you when you realise it and when you feel it, you realise just how powerful that that purpose thing is uh yeah, yeah it's incredible and, I, and i'm i'm very grateful and um i'm very privileged to be in the position i am so early on <laughs> in my career and life you know in the grand scheme of things so um i'm going to use yeah, that to my advantage
0: and I uh just be with you i'm I mean I'm so excited to see where your journey is going to take you because I mean one thing's for sure watching Danny Matthews from the sidelines is never going to be boring (laughs) (laughs) there's always something exciting and fun going on always I'm always amazed at because obviously I know you have a family now you have two beautiful children and, and I know that you spend a lot of time with them and that's Really important to you, and I'm always like, how the hell does this guy do it? He's got seven identities. Do you know? Well, I've
1: I've been thinking it... about this because I'm getting that a lot lately. I think because as the business has changed, a lot of people have been like, how How are you doing all this stuff? <laughs> and my response is, I'm not really. Actually, there's there's two things. The first thing is, I'm not really doing a lot of stuff. I'm doing branding for a lot of stuff, which means I'm only doing one thing, but. Mm-hmm. As well, on top of that, people say oh, you're doing you're doing loads of stuff at the minute, and I often reply, you often you probably only see one percent of what I really do. <laughs> so if that seems like a lot, you ain't seen nothing yet, because there's a lot of stuff that I test and i test the market with and you know i want to try a new product or i want to launch a new thing or want to get involved in a new business and no one sees any of that because i test it and it fails and it doesn't work and you know bother move on uh, and then i find something and then you hear about it so people say god you're doing loads but i'm like no i'm not really there's loads more stuff going on that i don't show you <laughs> um yeah it's quite it's fascinating actually it's, it's only come to my attention probably in the last couple of months yeah it's funny
0: we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg
1: mm.
0: so having been on this extraordinary journey to date and no doubt it will continue to be fascinating what's your definition of success nowadays
1: um fulfillment and that's different to happiness ha- happiness i can go and get a bar of chocolate and make me happy but it won't last very long like i'll have to get back to work and like and that does make me happy but um you know ha- happiness is temporary really if you want to be continuously happy you have to do things continuously that make you happy fulfillment is different it's an underlying like uh, state that you're always in there's no there's no like up and downs there's no um feast or famine there's none of that you you are constantly driven by one thing um And that is fulfillment or purpose, if you want to put it that way. Uh, Yeah, and that's very different from happiness. And I think when I started to understand that and and reflect on happiness and success and what that means for me, um, uh, you know, put put in a different way. I'm changing your question now, sorry, but put in a different way, um, people will ask you why you're doing it. And my only response is so I can do this again tomorrow. Yeah. that's all, that's all it is it never ends it's just I want to I do it again tomorrow and if I can do things that make this a sustainable venture if you like then that's what success is that's what makes me happy
0: I love that that's a lovely definition and I wish you all the success in the world and all the fulfillment in the world uh, it's been really really fascinating talking to you And anybody listening that is thinking, gosh, this is an inspiring story, my mother-in-law, sister-in-law, brother, I don't know, aunt, uncle, cousin, best friend, whoever, who might be in a situation that Danny was in a few years ago, um, and you think they would really be inspired by Danny's story, then please share it with them. Uh, If you have been inspired, please comment, please like, please share. Uh, I'd be really, really grateful. And um, I'm going to put some details about... Danny's ventures in the show notes So if you want to find out more about him and what he's up to um like I said I I can I can put my hand on my heart and promise you'll you'll never be bored um, <laughs> and uh yeah thanks again
1: thank you thank yes. you